Good morning. Can you hear me? All right. It's good to be here this morning. Great to see the church full. So thankful when they said there was only one service. I was, I was so happy. <laughs> last time doing three services about, about killed me. That's, what, that's why I'm starting to gray a little more, I think, from last time I was here. <clears throat> Fun fact, last time I was here, I forgot my English Bible in Las Cruces, and my wife had to lend me her old teen Bible and so I don't know if anybody noticed that. This time I, was, I remembered it. What a, what a bad missionary, right? Forgetting his Bible at the house. But this time I'm prepared. Um, it's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, my, I'm, my name is Josh Rose. My wife is Candace. Uh, Don told me a while back that when I talked to him and Paul too, that uh, there's quite a few new people. Uh, so I'm uh, introducing myself because some of you know me. Uh, some of you I've known since you were a little, little bitty. And all grown up, and others I don't know you yet. But I'm Josh Rose. I was here, and I went to school here in the early 2000s, 2001 to 2004. I was here, and then again, serving in the church from 2007 to 2009. I met my wife uh, during that time on a mission trip to Mexico. Uh, and we got married and went to study in Kentucky and went straight to Mexico after that. So we've been, uh, we've been serving in northern Mexico in the state of Chihuahua for uh, eight years now, just over eight years. Um, uh, so we, this is our church that sent us out, prayed over us, and uh, uh, said goodbye. And we are still uh, being supported through many ways by you guys. We uh, are here. I called, called Paul last uh, about two weeks ago. Said we were going to try to come into town to say say hi. And he said, "Well, I won't be here, but you can. You're welcome to preach." So, uh, no. In the olden days, we used to just show up and not tell anybody we were coming. And uh, we didn't have to work. And now, now, I, now I'm calling and telling in advance we're coming, and he's putting me to work. So I'm, I'm going to probably stop, stop telling anybody we're, we're on our way. <laughs> no, but I, I do enjoy speaking. I love teaching the Bible. I'm not the best at it. You'll, you'll figure that out pretty soon. This is uh, my specialty. Is I, I like small crowds, few Indians, and, and I'm good. Uh, this, is, this is harder for me, but uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, this morning we wanted to... Primarily, come and say thank you. You guys uh, took up an offering a few months ago for us to be able to purchase a vehicle. We work in, the, in a pretty remote area of the mountains in, in uh, the state of Chihuahua. We work with the Tatamata Indians. We also work with the local church in, in a town there that was established by some friends of, that Jeff knew way back in the day. That's how our church, this church started to get involved in Mexico missions was through um, some friends in Lovell. Jeff was telling us last night. Um, <clears throat> so we, we got to uh, know the work down there. The Lord called us down there, and we started working. In a lot, two and a half years ago when we came up, we came up to kind of tell the church about the changes. We'd, we'd been invited to work in a, in a Taramata village with another group of missionaries. There was um, two couples and a single lady working with, uh, in a remote area of the mountains, and so we had felt like the Lord was leading us to do that. Um, so we've spent two and a half years now going out, and uh, basically what we're doing is language learning, uh, medical, some sort of medical work. Unfortunately, our friends that invited us to work there, immediately after they invited us, they left. And so we, uh, she was the doctor, and so we have no doctor. So uh, we do have the book where there is no doctor, so that's, that's helpful sometimes. Uh, that happens a lot where we, we come across people that need medical help, and they're, they're, we're their only uh, way maybe to transportation to get them to the hospital or uh, we have medicine at the clinic if we know what's wrong and what to give them. So that's what we've primarily been doing over the last two and a half years is focusing on language learning so that we can eventually 
uh, teach the Bible in a clear and understandable way to them. So that's, that's what we've been doing. To get to this area, it, t- it takes us about four hours to travel about 60 miles. So it's, uh, we, we drive on pavement for about an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, and then we take a two to three hour uh, dirt road to get to where we have another eight uh, miles to hike in. So we're, we're a ways out there. Uh, the people live very isolated. They're, they're more traditional Indians. They, they, they have maintained some of their uh, old ways. And so that's the area where we're, we're focusing on right now. The reason why we needed the pickup is because we, um, we do a lot of transportation of people to the hospital. Um, gas prices are almost double what they are here. They're about $4.50 a gallon. So we, we're looking for something that's more reliable and gets better uh, gas economy. So we didn't have to be working on the pickup all the time and then spending so much. So this is, we thought of this as a way to, uh, that God would maybe have us have something better to get, get in and out of the canyon with. If you guys would turn in your Bibles, I wanted to share a little bit from Philippians. This isn't the sermon. This is like preliminaries. So don't think that once I'm done with this that we're done and you can go home. Philippians chapter 4. I never did have anybody tell me how much time I had. I was assuming since the second service was canceled, I, I can go as long as I want. But I, but I feel like people might just start walking out. Does anybody have a time limit? Do you, do you care? <laughs> Does this matter to you? Good. You guys are more like, more like the Mexican culture than, than Americans. That's good. Some, some, people, some American churches are like, you got 20 minutes, and then you better get off the stage. <laughs> Um, so Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> Paul mentions uh, this, that he'd been given some gifts as a missionary and he, he was, uh, wanted to thank the people that had, had given the Philippian church that had sent him some money. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 10 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before but lacked opportunity. Uh, the other day when we got in, Autumn said, <clears throat> people were so happy to give to this. They just, they, in, in like two Sundays, one or two Sundays, they give an enormous amount of money so that you could buy this vehicle. And she said, uh, it seemed like people just didn't know how to give or something that, along that lines. You, you, it was almost like exactly what it's saying here. You lacked opportunity. They lacked opportunity. People are willing to help, but sometimes they don't know how to help. Uh, we find that a lot in the, in the, in the area we're serving as people who have access to funds, how do we apply those funds in a godly way? There's a book written called When Helping Hurts. And we have to be, it speaks about how we need to be wise in how we give to people. Sometimes giving people isn't necessarily helping them, and sometimes it is. Sometimes we should give financially people, sometimes we shouldn't. Sometimes we should give advice rather than money. And so as missionaries, we find that to be one of the most challenging aspects of where we are having access to funds do you just give if people are hungry do you just give them food uh, sometimes that should that's the case and sometimes that's not the case sometimes that might not be beneficial um, so when we started praying about this vehicle we thought maybe this would be beneficial <clears throat> and maybe it wouldn't so we 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 put the kind of put the feelers out put the idea out <clears throat> and we <clears throat> excuse me and we uh, you guys responded incredibly. We thank you for that. Verse 11 says, Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances <clears throat> I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to get, live in prosperity. 
In, an, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being fulfilled and being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. <clears throat> One of the most quoted and treasured verses in the Bible is in, is in the context of, of financial giving. Isn't that interesting? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We didn't need this pickup. We've learned how to be content with little. We've learned how to be content with more. And this is interesting that uh, Paul says this, you know, I, I don't really need your money, but I'm thankful for it, and I need what you're providing, but I'm fine without it. So it's kind of like this juxtaposition of, thank you for what you've done. I didn't really need it, but I do need it, so thank you for it. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting what he's saying here. He says, nevertheless, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I don't need your money. <laughs> But then he says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. So he's thanking them for the gift they've given, even though he says, I've, God's always given me what I need. And we feel like that same way. God has always supplied what we need. But when people give to us, we're so thankful. And we thank you that we, we, we gave you the opportunity to give, and you gave to us, and we're, we're very thankful. That being said, we didn't need this truck, but thank you for giving money so we can get it. It says here, you yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, I left, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving <clears throat> and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself. And this is what I wanted to share with you. Not that I seek the gift itself, but the profit which increases to your account. When you guys give to people like us, when you guys give to other in other ways, just know that God is the one who sees these things. And when you're giving from a sincere heart, sacrificing for him, he is the one who repays us. <clears throat> it's profit to your account. It's something you're storing up in, for the future. And God sees that and he's honored by it. It says in verse 18, But I have received everything in full and I have, and I have in abundance. I am su amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And it says in verse 19, 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Two of the most precious verses that we, that we often quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and God will supply all my needs according to your, God, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That being said, we wanted to say thank you for what you've done. We want to say thank you for people like Larry James who've we're in our house every day that we, the house that we built in Mexico was built because he organized people to come down to Mexico. Many of you have gone, and we thank all of you who went down and helped us build our house. We feel very at home where we are in Mexico. Uh, somebody asked, was asking us the other day, do you have any plans to come back? Are you, are you comfortable here in the States when you come back? And the answer is honestly, no. We honestly feel more comfortable in Mexico than we do in, when we're in the States. And part of that's because we have a home that, that you guys helped us build, and we feel, we really feel at home where, where we are. And so you guys were a part of that. Some of you aren't here yet, and some of you will have a chance in the future to help other people do things like that. So take advantage of these things. When I was here last, I, I remember leaving, and I, I remember thinking, I should have said this. I don't know if you guys ever have opportunities you're speaking, and you say, I, I wish I would have said that. Two and a half years later, I'm here, and I'm, I'm saying to you, when I was here last, I wish I would have said this. So two and a half, two and a half years later, here it is. How do you develop compassion for other people? What is one of the ways that if, if your heart, 
If you know that you should love people you don't see, people that don't know the Lord, if you know in your head, because you've read the Bible, you've heard other people talk about it, if you know that that's what you should do, but you don't feel it in your heart, how do you connect the two? How, do, how does your head connect to your heart and really have a genuine heartfelt compassion for things that God is in love with? For example, mission. The mission, his mission to reach, reach the lost. And what, my, what I remember thinking after that was, Jesus, when he looked out on crowds, it says he felt compassion. He was tired. And it says when he looked out, he saw compassion. So my advice to you was, one of the reasons why this church has promoted short-term mission trips is because until you see, sometimes it's hard to feel it here. So once you go and see with your eyes, it starts to tug on your heart, and you come back, and you come back different. So short-term missions isn't always about just getting the house built, getting the project done, getting the corn to the people that are hungry. Some, a lot of times, mission work is God preparing your heart so when you go home, that fire grows. It, it, there, there becomes a fire, then it grows, and you, you love things that God loves. So one of, the, one of the ways you can do that is when opportunities come up for you guys to go, go, go do it. Go spend, spend instead of going to... Las Vegas for a week. <laughs> Nobody heard do that. That's what, I'm just saying that facetiously. Instead of doing that, go go to go to Haiti. Go to go to somewhere where there, there's genuine need and let your heart be tugged and pulled on by by God. So that's that's some advice from a from an old old grain man. Isn't that funny? Okay. I was going to print this off and I don't have a a printer here, so. Bear with me. So let me explain a little bit more about what we do in, in Wachochi, and then we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go to the scripture. We're going to be in uh, the the book of Hebrews. But um, so we work in where we built our houses in the town of Wachochi. From there, we. We spend two weeks, we try to spend two weeks in the village, in, in, a, in a village called Rowetachi. Uh, <clears throat> and that's where we work with the Indians. It's, it's 100% Indians. There's no, no uh, mestizos, what they call them. There's nobody that's non-Indian descent there. It's all Indians. We're surrounded by Indians. So when we're in Wachochi, we work with the local church that was established by the missionaries that Jeff knew from, back from Lovell and then um, from a long time ago. We work in the church that they helped to establish uh, what we do while we're there is when we're in town for two weeks, two to three weeks, we'll be working through the leadership. We helped, uh, I, I work as an elder on, the, on an elder team. Candace, my wife, loves to visit, so she's always saying, hey, let's go, let's go visit this person, let's go, let's go visit that, pers- that person. And sometimes I say, you go by yourself, and she goes by herself. And sometimes she says, you're coming with me, and I go with her. Um, so we, <clears throat> when we're in town, we love to visit, we love to uh, get, get in contact with people that we don't see very often. When we're in the village, we... <clears throat> uh, it's hard to explain when you're away from your church family. I don't know if you guys have ever had to experience that. When, when you don't have a church family nearby, there's something different about life. So when we're out in the village and there's no churches, there's no believers where we live, that's, that's heavy. That's hard to sometimes handle, it, being away from um, godly uh, Council, godly people, being with people of God. It's something we treasured more now that we're going to, Ro- to Rowerichi. When we're away from all that, then we come back and we, we love being around the church. So it's helped us to really treasure the local church more than we did before. So again, my advice to you is 
treasure what you have here and be a part of it. Don't just be here, but be a part of the family. Treat each other as family. Uh, look out for each other. Because there's people, there's places where that doesn't exist. And that's why we are where we are is because people don't know how to love each other where we live. They don't know how to treat each other well. And so anywhere where God's love has not been taught, there's certainly God's laws written on their hearts to where they know certain things. They know what's right and wrong sometimes. But living in a place where there are no Christians is very difficult. So when we go back into town, we love being involved in the church, doing everything we can. Uh, when we're in town, we go to two different villages right now. We're going to two um, villages within an hour away. Uh, we had the joy of baptizing three people this last June. There were three people. They, when a Taramara becomes comes to the Lord, uh, they suffer huge rejection. This is this is the case with a lot of people. But when your your whole social aspect, everything revolves around uh, the, the activities you do, the, the the festivals. When you, uh, you have the, they have, they celebrate Holy Week, they celebrate the the Dia Day of Guadalupe, which is Guadalupe is just the Mexico version of Mary. Uh, the Virgin Mary, so they, they do all these religious feasts and they do them together. Um, when they raise their, when they get their crops done, they harvested, they have parties and they do all this together. It's very, they're very socially connected. So when somebody comes to Christ and that, they, they have to kind of tear away from a lot of the things that they did before, that's very difficult for them. So this, this, a couple of weeks ago, one of the ladies that got baptized, that got saved, she was saying, uh, yeah, people, people just don't visit us like they used to anymore. People are they just don't treat us the same because they know we're different. They know that we, that we have changed. So uh, pray for people that are that Tatamana believers that are becoming Christians because we have to become their new family, and that's what that's what you guys have to experience too. When you become a Christian, the church becomes your family because a lot of your flesh and blood will reject you, and so this is your this is your new family. This is the people you're going to spend eternity with. So we really need to use the church as this is my new home. Uh, and pray for our family members that know Jesus, don't know Jesus. But for the Taramata believers, it's very difficult for them to, to leave all that. I think for, as we study Hebrews, the Hebrew Jews, the, the, Hebrew, the, the Jews that had become Christians suffered the same thing. They were, they were being torn away from this, this system of beliefs. The society that they grew up in is very difficult. So the tendency, the, the, uh, the temptation for them was, Everyone's trying to pressure me. or There was all these pressures to return to these things that I used to do. And Paul, or, or the writer of Hebrews, I think it was Paul, says, don't do that. <laughs> don't go back to that. If you reject Christ, if you go back to these things, there is no hope for you. He is our only hope. And he is well worth it. All these costs that you have to pay to leave these things, to follow him, everything is worth it. You just have to endure. Steadfastly endure. And so... That's one of the ways you guys can pray for the people that are, that the Tatamata believers that are, that are becoming Christians. Pray for them that they would, they would really, truly grasp that, that we would be able to form a family them, around them, that they would, as they are rejected by their culture or the, the people that they live nearby, that they would uh, find that in the church. Anything else, Candace? Good? Okay. Let's go to Hebrews. Uh, what I wanted to tell you was, if you guys have, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about our ministry today, because I feel like this is, this is church, this is sacred time, sacred space. Uh, if you guys want to hear about us, uh, we have, Candace put stuff on Facebook, she has a, a secret page, it's very secret, you can't join unless she asks you to, so you have to speak nicely to her and ask her to 
to allow you to join her secret page, and she will do that. And she, she puts pictures on regularly, probably every two months. She updates kind of w- w- what we're doing, and she'll put little commentaries. So go on there, uh, look at the pictures, read the commentaries. Otherwise, she'll, she'll be sad that nobody's looking at her pictures. So put that you like it. That way we know that you guys are, are interested. So if you want to know more about what we're doing, uh, we, have, we send out news, newsletters every once in a while. It used to be more often. Uh, but we do send out newsletters. You can get, get my email, come to me afterwards. I'll give you our email, and we'll send you um, updates. And you can get on the Facebook. If you have Facebook, you can go look at that. But today we're going to look at uh, the book of Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. The other day I had the opportunity to go to the, to the airport in Wachochi. They have uh, some soldiers that kind of guard the, guard the, they have a little base there. And some of them had been asking for a Bible. I took, a, I took them some Bibles and one of the guys asked a pretty, pretty pointed question. He said, How, what do I do so I don't sin so much? What, what can I do to not sin so much? Well, that's a pretty good question. That's a great question. What can you do so you, a person doesn't sin so much? So then I spent like two hours talking about how to not sin so much. Um, first thing you need to do is throw your cell phone away. <laughs> no, not really. But certain things about the cell phone uh, are very dangerous, uh, and he recognized that. He, he's the one that told me a lot of temptations come through the cell phone. Um, questions to these things. How can, how can we actually live for God? What's, what's, the, what is the, what's the method? What's, what's the uh, basis for our ability to leave sin behind and do God's will. This morning, I just want to talk to you a little bit about knowing and doing God's will. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 and see a few things uh, that the Bible teaches here. Verse 1 says, Hebrews 10, verses 1, For the law, since it has only a shadow of good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said... Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. <clears throat> After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your your word is powerful. Your, what you've done uh, by coming into the world is, is our power, our strength uh, to do anything. Uh, you, Paul said, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. You are our strength. Thank you for the body that you prepared for Jesus that has become our hope. Our only hope is uh, his blood and his spirit working in us. Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit that this morning we would have understanding as we study the scriptures, that you would examine our hearts 
that no one on here would uh, be distracted by other things, thoughts of what they're doing afterwards, that they would be able to focus on what you have to say to us this morning, that we would be honest with ourselves about our lives, about our, our destiny, our, what we're doing for you, our service for you in this world, that we would honestly examine ourselves and see if we're doing your will, if we're being like Jesus was and is. Lord, help us and uh, guide us. Give us wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so this, this, this is an interesting section of the Bible. Like I said earlier, Hebrews was the, is, is the God's, this is the, they call it the queen of the epistles. Uh, as far as the Old Testament, it gives us deep understanding to what happened in the Old Testament. So here it says, the law could not do things that can be done now. It was a shadow. So we see shadows in the Old Testament of realities that we're experiencing now. Shadows versus reality. Old Testament shows us things that were fulfilled and being fulfilled in Christ today. Uh, my brother, when uh, you guys experienced this, uh, I guess it was the last year when we had the big eclipse. You guys remember the eclipse? Did you see it here in Laramie? Or did you have to go further north? It was here? You guys saw it? Full eclipse? No, no blackout? Nobody went to Casper? Nobody traveled north? Some of you did? Okay. Some of you traveled two hours to see a, the sun black out for two minutes. Isn't that amazing? You know what's really amazing? My brother who lives in Torrington was so cheap. I hope he doesn't listen to this message on, online or anything. He was so cheap. You know how they had to buy the little mask to see the, to see the sun as it covered? He said, well, you don't need to buy that. All you can do is look at the shadow on the ground. And so he watched the, the eclipse on the ground. I'm thinking people traveled for miles and days to go see this and you're watching the shadow on the ground he got stuck he was satisfied with looking at the shadow I thought that's ridiculous I would have bought that for you for Christmas had I known that he were so cheap I'm cheap but that's really cheap <clears throat> could you imagine being satisfied with the shadows in this in what we're talking about today these these Jews were tempted to to want to stay in the Old Testament system they were tempted to keep sacrificing animals to, to go back to the temple, to bring their animal, even though Jesus was already dead and, and resurrected and rise, rose into heaven. They were tempted to, as they saw those things, to want to, they were, that were reminders, it says here, they were reminders of their sin. They were shadows of things to come. They were tempted to go back to those things. Can you imagine that? Like my brother looking at the shadow, like, just look up. Do what you need, buy that cheap little thing to be able to look at the full beauty of what's happening in front of you. <clears throat> And this is what I think the writer of Hebrews is trying to say. For, for no cost, you can look at the God of glory by trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. What waits for you, what waits for us as believers, those of you who are here and saved, not everyone here is probably saved. Some, hopefully you are, but some of you might not be saved. What is your hope? What do you expect to see once you close your eyes for the last time? If we have trusted in Jesus Christ, the thing that we're going to see is God's glory, the greatness of his glory in front of us because somebody freely gave us the ability to be in his presence. The Tatarmadas, it's interesting, they don't necessarily fear death. They don't understand justification. They don't understand that when you do something wrong, there is an eternal penalty for that. As being, that, that being the case, they don't necessarily embrace what, what, we're, what we're offering to them because they don't necessarily have a fear of death. What they believe that they can do to, to see the, to, to get into the afterlife, because they do believe in an afterlife, 
is they believe that the people that live on earth now help feed them on their journey into heaven. So it has nothing to do with how you live now as opposed to what people do for you after you're gone. Am I making, understanding that? So what they do is when somebody dies, they, 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 they kill an animal. Not for their sins, but for their journey. They think that the person actually is, the spirit of the person can consume this food that they're offering to them year after year so that they can make the journey into heaven. And we might think, well, that's pretty silly. <laughs> but I think a lot of us don't really understand what, it, what, it, what God requires of us to be able to see his face. The biggest problem I would say with the Tatamata is they don't understand God's holiness. You want to be in a place where you have no right to be. You've done something against him that he has no choice but to punish. So we have to understand what is the big problem. First of all, we need to understand who God is, how great he is. What is, what is waiting for us on the other side? What is it that we can't see? We see that as we go through the chronological Bible studies, uh, we come to the part of Mount Sinai when God starts to really establish rules for, for uh, ethnic Israel, for, for the, the rules of worship. And you see God up, on, up high on the mountain, Israel down low in barriers. And the people could only see him from a distance. And even hearing his voice caused them to shake and shudder and say, don't, please don't let him talk to us anymore. They saw it from a distance. They heard his voice and they said, we can't, we can't handle this. This is too much for us. David Platt, my wife loves listening to David Platt. David Platt, and he, he had a, we listened to a sermon he did the other day, and well, not the other day, it was probably like a year ago, uh, but he was saying that he went to Southeast Asia and was talking to some Buddhists, and they were saying, uh, he was having talks with them about what they believe about the afterlife, about how we can get right with God, and, and they were saying something like, you know, all religions are basically a way to try to, try to get to where God is. We're trying to all get up on that high mountain where God is. And David Platt says, well, that's interesting. What if that God up high on the mountain came down? What if he came down to us to look for us? And their response was, well, that would be something special. <laughs> that is something special, isn't it? Isn't that the truth of what we believe? When we're talking here about God prepared a body for him, he says, a body you have prepared for me. This is talking about the God on Mount Sinai burning flames came down humbly. He came down to look for us. He came down to seek and to save that which was lost. So the first thing we need to understand is who is this God that we're trying to reach? Because once you die, there's no, there's no other options. There's no trying to fix what, what's already been done. So the law here shows us, uh, when we're talking in, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says the law... It is only a shadow of the good things to come. When it talks about good things to come in chapter 9, it says the exact same thing. And it says, uh, some of the manuscripts say that it was good things that have come. So we understand this to be the law, the ceremonial law of killing animals was temporary. You, we don't do that anymore. Some of the Tatamatas, uh, about three years ago when we started in one village, some of the guys came and they were interested and they said, so can we kind of do what we're doing and, and kind of accept what you do? In other words, can we still kill animals and still trust in what you are, are offering? What do you think? <laughs> let's, let's look at what the Bible says. If you do that, what you're saying is his sacrifice isn't good enough. And if you tell God, your sacrifice isn't good enough for me, watch out. Things aren't going to go very well for you. 
So we understand that Jesus' sacrifice, it was the good thing to come. And this is, this is we're, it's making references to, to Psalm 40 and then Jeremiah 31 is the, uh, when it talks about the new covenant. These are, these are the two uh, Old Testament passages written uh, several hundred years apart that, that the author is referring to here. These are not the very form of things. The Old Testament sacrifices were not the very form of things. Jesus is. What is true worship? The Ten Commandments cannot bring us to God. They only show us who, the, the glory of God. Uh, shadows cannot sustain you. The other day I was, we were driving in the car, and I could see the sun was over here, and the car was here, and Candace was driving, and, and I see the shadow of our, our vehicle on the side of the road. I thought, that's pretty interesting, our, our, our shadow. What if I was to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of the car, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the shadow take me to to the border, to Juarez. It would be impossible. It would be, be ridiculous. The, the shadow is not designed to, to sustain us. The shadow only points us to the thing that can carry us. Jesus, we understand, is the vehicle. He is the way to the Father. He is the only way, that can, the, the only one that can sustain us. Uh, although the, we have to understand, too, that the, the Old Testament sacrifices... Uh, the other day, I was sharing in Wachochi about this. When, when, when this church building was being built, I thought, well, "What a what a crazy deal that they're they're spending so much money on a building." Uh, I don't know how much money was spent. I don't, I don't really care. And I thought, "Wow, we could we could in in, in Wachochi we meet under a tree," and and I thought, "Well, interesting that we spend so much money on a building." But then we look in the Old Testament, and God God's the one that designed this massive beautiful temple that spent so much money, so much gold. God put together the gold to build this beautiful temple. And what, why did he do that? And, and it says in First Chronicles, this was a, a reflection of his greatness. The Old Testament was a reflection of what Jesus would present to us in a bodily form. Isn't that interesting to think of when Jesus came down to earth, we're seeing a humble version of the great temple that, that God had Solomon build in the Old Testament. That beautiful gold-filled inner room with the ark on the inside, full, with the God's law on the inside. This is all pointing to a future event which is fulfilled with Jesus. So this is very, very uh, beneficial for us to think about these things. But to go back to the old, the, the old way would be futile and useless and condemning for us. He says these things were reminders and not the actual way to get right with God. Uh, it says in verse 1 here at the end, uh, these, these sacrifices year by year can never make perfect those who draw near. If I was to ask you guys this morning, why did you come here? Why are you here? What's the purpose of coming to church on Sunday? I might get different answers. Everyone, though, the idea, I think, is the same. We want to draw near to God. The Old Testament believers had a, had a way that God had put in place for a time, but religion... The design is to draw near to this holy God. Uh, it says, though, there are some stipulations. They wanted to be made perfect. If you want to approach God, you need perfection. We must have a perfection, but we understand that these animals can never give that. So God provides a body for us. So if you are in Jesus today, you should be thankful. We should recognize God has made us perfect. He has made us capable of standing before him. So that when he comes again or when he takes us into his presence at our death, 
you are fully capable of standing before him because he has given you his perfection. You are, you are ready to go. As opposed to, I can't think of any other person, any other religion that can actually say, I'm ready to be in his presence knowing fully who he is. Oh, what a beautiful thought to think that God has prepared us already for what's waiting for us later. You are ready for that because he has made you perfect. So we are here to worship. The reason why we come here is to, we're, we're, we're here to think about these things, to give him the glory. Hebrews over and over says, consider these things. Earlier, Doug was saying there might be people here that, were, that are thinking about um, whether this was a good idea to become a Christian. <laughs> Some people might be considering abandoning the faith. The idea is we're here to draw near to holy God, and he has made us capable of being uh, in his presence. He has cleansed us of our sins. Verse 2 says, he has... The worshipers, what we are as Christians, we are worshipers, cleansed and able to stand before us because he's taken away the consciousness of our sins. So he is allowing us to draw near through his perfection. Verse 5, verse 4, uh, verse 5, it says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. If you go back, if you go look with me in Psalms chapter 40, let's go back and take a quick look at Psalms 40. Psalm chapter 40, verses 3 and 4 and 5. It says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, many and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is a man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are, those, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts towards us there is none to compare with you. If you would declare them and speak to them, they would be too numerous for me to count. So the, the writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalms, uh, Psalms 40, which is the first part of it is a song of, of thanksgiving. He's saying, be thankful for these things. As we just celebrated Christmas and we think about a body coming, God preparing a body for our sins, our thoughts should be thankfulness. How many thoughts are, are, how many are his thoughts towards us? God has thought about us. He's well, this is a well thought out plan that he has for us. Does that cause you to give him thanks on a day-to-day basis? Does that, does that enter in our minds? Is that something that, that, that we allow to sink in and change our lives? This is what the psalmist wants us and that, that from, from us. Then he says, what he's quoting in, in Hebrews, turn back to Hebrews chapter 10. It says, therefore, when he comes into the world. Therefore, there's a turning point here. When it says, therefore, there's a, there's a change. These things couldn't work. Because they couldn't work, the law was weak. These animal sacrifices were weak to bring people to God because they could not clear their conscience of sin. They could not clear the guilt of sin. And so, that being the case, the weakness of the law, he says, sacrifice, he says, he comes into the world. <laughs> 
he came into the world. God traveled through space and time. In that moment when he became, started becoming, forming into a little baby, he, he came into the world. He entered into the world to do this wonderful thing on our behalf. Doing what the law was incapable of doing. Doing what you have been able and capable to do. <clears throat> to get right with God on your own account. That soldier I was talking to, his question is valid. Why, how can I stop sinning so much? My answer is, God prepared a body for you. God prepared a person that can give you the capability to fulfill his desires. But if you try to stop sinning on your own, well, with your own strength, how many of you have tried to stop sinning by your own strength? It's pretty hard to do. We fall humbly on the grace of God. We fall humbly on his strength to, to give us the ability because God does not want us to sin. God wants us to live as he wants us to live, as, as he lived. But that is only possible because he provided a body for us. This is an interesting passage when it talks about a body you have prepared for me because it says in Psalms 40, verse 6, it says, uh, in that, that passage, my ears you have opened. And here it says, a body you have prepared. So how do we justify that difference between a body you have prepared and my ears you have opened or my ears you have perforated? What is it saying? How do you know what God's will is for your life? Do you know when you're born as, 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 as kids, as uh, your, your kids are like this, I'm sure, or were, I was like this. I had my ears kind of shut tight. So my, when my parents would tell me things, it was difficult for me to obey. So what my dad would, but through, through punishment was, <laughs> he opened my ears. He caused me to understand what his will was. He allowed me to understand what he wanted from me because what he wanted from me was good for me because I had a father who loved me. In the same way, what enters through our ears is a demonstrate, will affect what your body does. So you want to know what God wants for you? How is your body going to react towards God? How are you going to offer your body as a holy sacrifice to him? You have to hear from him. And so what he did through Jesus was Jesus showed us that everything that Jesus did was he heard from his father first and then he did that according to what his father wanted. So he was constantly praying. He was constantly in tune with what the father wanted. And then he would do it. That's how he, did, was it, that's what he, how he lived a perfect life. He heard from him and then he obeyed with his body. He was completely in tune with what his father wanted. And that's what this is, is getting at. Another, another commentator said, it's kind of, it might be kind of like in the Old Testament when it says if, when a slave could have left his master, but he loved his master so much, he could have chose to stay with his master. And what they would do when the slave said, I don't want to leave you because I love you. You've treated me so well. They would go and they would pierce his, their ear. So they'd put an all through their ear, make a hole in it. And that way the people would know this person belongs to him forever. And what it is, is the person, the slave, accepting ownership by this person because they recognize their goodness. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what we do when, when you come to Christ? You're saying, I would much rather be your slave than be free without you. Because this freedom without you is not freedom. The Bible says when we're apart from Christ, we're slaves to sin. So when we come to Christ, we understand it's like we're putting it all through our ear. It's like we're saying, God, I want you to control me. And that is so hard for, for anybody to do, right? Who wants somebody else to control you? Not very many people, but we do because the one controlling us is good for us. Everything he wants for us is good. So <clears throat> this is a beautiful picture of, of how 
God in Jesus took a body to give a, his broken body and a blood sacrifice to make us whole, to give us the possibility of, of coming back to him. He didn't take any pleasure in those animal sacrifices, but he did take pleasure in Jesus dying on the cross. This is incredible to think about. In Isaiah 53, it says, it pleased the Father to crush him. Can you imagine that? The Father taking pleasure in the death of his son, not because he enjoyed death in and of itself, but because of what it produced. One sacrifice was able to, to, to cover all of our sins who've, who are in Christ. He was able to do that through him. So God's pleasure was not in the animal. God's pleasure was seeing his son broken. And Jesus experienced that on the cross, separation from his father, taking the wrath of God in our place. The animal never could. The animal could never fully take that away from us because it didn't have the same value. It, does, it wasn't the same worth. It wasn't a person. So God says, in the meantime, this is going to work. But when I send my son in bodily form, he will do everything that I desire. And this is this beautiful picture of Jesus coming to earth and then in the end, giving his life for us. Uh, lastly, I just want to comment on, on how we can, as, as believers, as Christ followers, know and do his will. Verses 8, and, eight 9, and 10 says, After saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Uh, there's several similarities between Psalm 40, verse, verses 6, 7, and 8. Jeremiah 31, where it talks about the new covenant, when God would, would take away the old and, and establish a new, and that's what we're living in. Some of the things, some of the similarities are, Behold. The command here is, behold. Then he says, behold. That is just the simple act of looking, considering what he has done. It says, one of the commentaries says, this is, this is designed to rivet our attention. When he says, look, when he says, behold, our attention should go to him, to what he has done in his, in his body. So Jeremiah said the same thing. Look what I will do in the future. Think about this, because I'm going to take away this old system that doesn't work, that's weak in itself, and I'm going to establish something new in my son in bodily form. <clears throat> Another similarity is it talks about the law being on the inside. Why couldn't, they fulfill, why couldn't they do God's will? Why can't we do God's will? Why could this soldier in Wachochi not do God's will? The idea is, is all along, drawing near to God means having him on the inside. All this time, the Bible, from the very beginning, from Genesis 3, when it talks about what he was going to do, God, God desires that this separation between us and him be eliminated. We understand separa separation to be death. Separation from God means death. So it, separation from all his goodness, all benefits that he has to offer, that is death. And that's in a place far from him, which is in hell. But <clears throat> what God wants to do, what God desires is to eliminate that separation. And he's gone to great lengths to capture us. So religion, worship, true worship is when we understand that God is going to great lengths to be with us. If we come to church because we're, we feel obligated to, we're missing the point. Because what God really wants is you. He wants us and we, he wants our time. He wants, our, he wants to talk to us, 
through his word. He wants to listen to us through our prayers. That's what God's after. So sometimes I find myself in this predicament where I say, I've got so much to do today. So I neglect my time with the Lord. And I find myself missing the whole point of why he saved me. I'm doing all these things for him, and yet I'm neglecting the time with him. And I have to, have to go back and say, why? why did he save me? So that I would do things for him? Or does he want to be with me? God loves this relationship with us. So it, cha- it changes us when you think that God put the law, Ten Commandments, inside this precious ark in the middle of the temple. And you think, God all along designed that to show us that he wanted his Holy Spirit with the law written on our heart inside of us. That was only possible once the blood of Jesus had been spilled for our sins, his body broken. So what he longs for with you and with me is this personal contact day to day throughout our lives until we see him face to face. So that being said, uh, is the law of God written on your heart? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you know him? Have you accepted his Holy Spirit as the, through the blood of Jesus so that you would be clean, so that his law would be on the inside of your heart? Have you done that? If you have, there's great joy. And we ought to be thankful this morning um, because the, sa- the sacrifice for sin uh, was made through Jesus. What Jesus showed here was complete surrender. I think one of the, the, the biggest obstacles towards uh, the missionary movement is we don't understand what it means to live for the heavenly land. Jesus said, it says he came into the world. Philippians 2, 5 through 10 says he humbled himself and left all that. He didn't hold on to it. He says he thought, not robbery, he, he didn't hold on to what his rights were. He left where he was to go do God's will where he wanted to be. That involved a change of location. And sometimes I, I think for me, that was one of the most difficult things about uh, becoming a missionary. I remember when I was in, in, uh, in Colorado, when I was about 20 years old, I remember some people coming to recruit missionaries and they were saying, we need people for like 20 to 30 years. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> no way. No way will I consider being a missionary, leaving all my family, my homeland to, to live somewhere else. I couldn't even imagine it. Why is that? Because I was thinking wrongly about all these things. My home is in, my, my citizenship is in heaven. Until we can really understand what God has for us, that he wants to, his, his kingdom to go out into all the earth, and he wants to use us to do that, the way for us to do that is to understand that our citizenship is in heaven, our home is up there. So if he wants us to go from here somewhere else, that might be his will for several, several of you in here. David Platt was saying, um, Instead of thinking along the lines of, most of us won't be missionaries, but we'll see who are. Think of it more like, we should all plan on being missionaries and see if God starts eliminating some. Does that make sense? So instead of, instead of assuming that we're not going to be missionaries unless God says something special, assume that God does want us to maybe go somewhere else and then see if he wants to change that. <laughs> And maybe that would cause us to break our ties from these earthly, our earthly ties and start thinking more like, what is God's will for my life? Does he want me to go somewhere else? And that's one thing I appreciate about this church is their willingness to let go of people and say, don't be here. You need to go somewhere else. They're not kicking us out. They're saying, we want you to go out and serve. We've trained you. Go somewhere else and serve God somewhere else. And hopefully, many of you will consider 
going to foreign mission field where God's name has yet to be named. So, uh, what is God's will for your life? Have you considered? Do we daily ask him? Do we daily surrender that to him? When he says in, his Lord, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray this way. This involves a daily surrendering of what I think I'm going to do today for what you want from me today. How often do we do that? Sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I, I neglect my, my surrender to him. It says, take up your cross daily. I think that involves us dying to what we want to do for ourselves or even for him and saying, God, what is it truly that you want from me? Will you send people along my way that I can talk to about you? If we don't intentionally ask him to do these things, our mind's not ready for it. We're not prepared as we go out to battle. It's like going, it's like if a soldier was going to go to the front lines and they're just going out in their pajamas. <laughs> That's how we're going to live our lives when we're not really asking for God's will for us. So as the new year begins uh, soon, if, if, it, if we get to that point, maybe these things will help change how we live. Maybe these things will help, help us uh, uh, surrender our wills on a daily basis, thinking about what Jesus did, always looking for God's will for his life, always being surrendered to what he did. When he was in the garden, he said, this is, this is if there's any other way. Is there any other way? There was no other way. God sent him to the world for that purpose. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. Are we willing to live like that as Christians? Are you willing to be a Christ follower who really says, I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to do what he wants for me day after day after day until I see his face in heaven. So that's my challenge to you as a church this morning. Um, it's a challenge to me. I'm preaching to myself because I'm not completely faithful in these things. So God's using these things to teach me as well. Uh, let me pray for you. If you guys have want to be want to receive our newsletter uh, or or get on this Facebook website, the, the see the pictures Candace puts up. Come talk to me. I'll write your name down, and we'll go from there. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this. Uh, for your word, for the book of Hebrews, written to challenge um, believers to never go back, to never turn away from the one who uh, sacrificed so much to save us. Thank you, Lord, for um, being able to worship you, for, to be able to uh, have the assurance that when we uh, leave this earth, we'll be in your presence and we're capable to, to be there. Thank you for preparing a, a body in Jesus, for our sins. Lord, help our bodies, help our wills to be surrendered to you, that we would uh, live to the fullest, redeem every day, knowing that the days are evil. Lord, help us not to live for ourselves, not, not to be selfish in what we do, but to live for you. Thank you for this church who's been so uh, faithful to us as missionaries, for praying for us, for talking about us, uh, uh, for supporting the work. Lord, do your, do your will in the, in, the, in the mountains of Mexico and wherever your name is yet to be preached, Lord. Raise up people from among us uh, that we would have a compassion for the, the poor, the compassion uh, for the poor who don't know you, that they might uh, have um, knowledge of the one who can save them. Uh, in your name I pray, amen. Amen.